Do you like stuffed crust pizza? Do you eat it at Pizza Hut? We talked to award-winning director Stefano DeFray about his newly released film, Stolen Dough. It's on tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. Stefano DeFray is an Italian-born Canadian actor, a co-founder and president of Rosso Films International. He's the award-winning director of the crime docudrama Stolen Dough. Welcome, Stefano. Thank you for having me on your show, Liz. So first, I want to tell you how much I enjoyed Stolen Dough. It was really, really, first of all, it it just knocked my socks off that this kind of David and Goliath kind of situation existed and that somebody would be brave enough to take on something as big as Pizza Hut. How did you get involved in this? So the first beginnings, first of all, I love, Oh, I mean, all film directors love to hear when someone, when an audience responds positively to their film. So that's the way straight to their heart, you know, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great intro. I, I got my, my public, Anthony, the, the subject, Anthony Mangello, the person whose story it's about, and I share the same publicist, Goldman McCormick and Mark Goldman was our connecting link with that. I know that Anthony over the, the 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 space of about four years had tried to get his story developed with CBS's subs, like little smaller production companies that were sort of doing trying to do a story on on him and for whatever reason there was some creative differences and I know this story was sort of out there in the ether mm-hmm. and it happened Mark, a while back yeah yes it, it it happened in the you know his patent was first was first established in the 80s, but the case and the trial started to begin around the late 90s. So we're talking at this point now 30 years. And so mm-hmm. uh, and so amassing also the archival material of that period of time is also very difficult. So this story had been kicking around for a little bit and Mark had given it to me in December of 2021. And I remember being on the phone with him about two or three times and him just sending me not even a lookbook, just sort of a story of kind of the narrative story of it, bare bones. And I remember dropping the phone because I was like, I can't believe how, I, I couldn't believe how this was real. I just couldn't believe how how all of this was real and that the, and I'd never heard about this. This was the biggest legal lawsuit in food history. And I really had not heard about it. And so I had to do a lot of research. And then three months later, I basically met Anthony in person and he was so charming. He was very charming. He was himself. He was a great showman. And I could tell already that I was going to be in a place of how to figure out how to how to how to shoot the film visually and that I could rely on him as a subject matter to 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 tell the story. So that's so how I got started. Tell us the story. 
Well, the story begins like many stories, like many small business owners, many people with an American dream. It's a story of a Brooklyn native whose whole family from grandfather to father are in the cheese manufacturing business. And that's their bloodline. They're inventors, they're scrappy immigrants, they're hard workers, and they know cheese. And Anthony stumbles upon figuring out how to basically create a system for putting pieces of his father's polio string cheese in pockets of where the crust would be. And he sort of discovers it by accident and sort of playing around, messing around in the kitchen and then realizes how delicious this is, brings it over to his friends, his brothers, all his his family members, brings it to his father, who's like, this is a great idea. Son, I have patents. You should patent this. And he successfully gets a patent and titles it Stuff in the Crust. And begins to want to work out some kind of deal with smaller pizzerias, but realizes that a lot of these smaller pizzerias don't have the scale that a national chain would. And they were kind of a little bit old school and didn't really want to change their their formula. Mm -hmm. And he proceeds to contact three pizzerias, three big pizza chains, Domino's, Little Caesars, and Pizza Hut. And the last one, Pizza Hut, takes a very, very, very keen liking into him, so much so that they ask him for the patent twice to study the patent. Six months before they send him back his own patent, they write him a letter saying, unfortunately, we're not interested in this and partnering up with you. Proceeded to, 180 days later, launch their own stuffed crust pizza product and that's the story and now we're off to the races wow that it is really a a fascinating story and I, i am sympathetic to the problems of trying to find material from 30 years ago that's right it's pretty difficult but i did really like the shots in the movie of the depositions. I thought that those really illustrated some of the attitude that the attorneys representing Pizza Hut had toward this man as though he was insignificant and so he didn't really matter. And I thought that that was really a terrible point of view from them. And I, even though you tried in reenactments to to show that when you see it, that it really happened and it wasn't just part of a fictional story. It it was just, a, it made my heart hurt that the American dream is something that only the, only those successful and the rich can, can carry forward. And, and I just thought that was terrible. Thank you, Liz. I mean, that's a very, that's a very, very beautiful compliment. And just for your audience to know, it was, you know, I'm, I'm basically the docudrama aspect of it. I have narrative scenes, obviously, in the film. The film is a heavily narrative scenes that I had written, 
to illustrate in, in dramatic context what really occurred. And then when you see the realness of it, it's almost you almost don't believe you know it actually anchors your belief into mm -hmm. the drama of the the drama of the nar narrative because you you see what actually happened through the footage of those depositions you can tell his state of mind you can tell the sort of verbal abuse that they're treating him and and the last point that I'll just make about this is that when i came into the film Anthony is so his he's so charming and he's such a big character that mm -hmm. I come in very objective. I came in very objective. When you when as a filmmaker, you don't know when you interview someone if they're telling you the truth mm -hmm. or whether they're exaggerating or whether they're lying. And there's a whole gray area between, you know, hard truth to exaggeration to outright lying that you're combing through in your mind. And it wasn't until I got the material of the depositions where I was, I, I became from objective to subjective into the process of the, of the film and, and in the edits for really advocating for Anthony. And that takes a long process. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was on the film been on the phone for two years and that takes a long time. And I, I agree with you. It, it is, you know, for all your audience to watch it, those deposition footages are real. They are 100% authentic. Yeah. So I want to know how it was that you came to put together the resources to make this film. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the beginning, you know, all filmmakers have three problems, and in 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 order, these are the problems. The first would be money, the second would be money, and the third would be money. Those are the three problems that a lot of filmmakers have. And I was fortunate enough to receive a grant that was brought forward by someone who was on the film, Isaac Benelli, who worked on the film and and brought me a brought my attention to it. And then our head producer, Laura Pellegrini, who worked heavily while I was in an edit for another film on this grant. And we worked on it on my behalf. And I, I received this grant by the Russo brothers who were made famous from Marvel studios who had directed, they were, there are two Italian brothers who co-direct and make Hollywood films. They do, they did Captain America, Winter Soldier and they did Avengers Endgame. That was that was about three months after meeting Anthony that I had gotten money from the Russo brothers. And Anthony, in the beginning, although he liked me very much and wanted to do the film, he wanted to postpone filming because all your subject matters, all your subjects and 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 the 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 subjects that are in your film are afraid to share there it's a vulnerable experience it's not natural to be in front of a camera for an hour or two hours and having someone repeatedly ask you questions and the lights are hot you're sitting on a stool you're by yourself and you're in front of a, a crew of 30 40 people so anthony felt always didn't feel ready 
But the incentive of having the Russo brothers and that it had to be filmed in a time period because I had to deliver them a cut mm -hmm. by August 31st, 2022 to show them what the film was basically turning into forced us to do all the production of the film in, in 2022. We started filming on April 23rd. 2022 and our last day of production was June 26th 2022 and I became I began editing the film in Aspen Colorado on July 18th until September 1st for that first rough cut so front to back you know in terms of just principal photography into that first rough cut you're looking at you know beginning of April to September and and that all had to be done in 2022 to send them a version. And, and that really, you know, Anthony was elated, rightfully so. He felt honored and humbled that, you know, such a great sort of organization would, was interested in, in that personal story. And, and, and then we were off, we were off to the races. So did, I, I have two questions really, and I don't want to tell, I want to ask you both questions at the same time, so we don't sort of go down one road and then I don't get to ask the next question. But one question is, I wanna know how it affected some of the actors who acted out the docudrama because they knew that this was a real story and the actor who played Anthony obviously must have talked to Anthony. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I, the actors who played some of the Pizza Hut people might not have met their counterparts, but the other people did meet their counterparts. And so I want to know how that affected things. And then I also want to know, what do you think this can accomplish? I mean, is it sort of like, okay, nobody's going to eat Pizza Hut pizza anymore because, or I mean, what, what, where does this go? What, what happens? So those are my two big questions. Okay, those are great questions. Let me ask, let me answer your second question first and okay. then and then parlay that into your first question. So that's a great question that a lot of people ask. A lot of studio agents and film festival audiences ask, what do you hope to accomplish? What's the point really at the end? Patents expire after 17 years. And mm -hmm. so given the fact that during part of the film, there is a, a part, I don't want to give away the film, but there's a part where I had discovered that the presiding judge was held in criminal contempt and secret documents were released about his affiliation to taking money from other corporations that influenced his judgments and in the favor of Pizza Hut. Uh, Anthony could continue the legal lawsuit to to sue for punitive damages against Pizza Hut. And so Anthony and I are talking about what that would look like and what that reality show or material would look like to see him pursuing the case, okay? That's 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 the answer to the second question which is which is which is about extending this into sort of following his journey into that aspect of getting his recognition. The one thing I'll say is that Anthony is not vindictive. He wants 
he wants his recognition. You know, currently Patty Shabmire, who's not even a, 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 she's not even a chef, not even a, you know, she's not even a, uh, a, a business owner. She was a food scientist who was credited as the inventor of stuffed crust pizza. I, I mean, absolutely, completely ridiculous because we knew that Pizza Hut was sampling patents uh, ahead of time from other people who were independent and had looked at this. And we can easily see this from our findings. Anthony wants his recognition. And so I think more than the punitive damage, more than the amount of money, what he wants is the recognition in the history books, in the Wikipedia pages, in the fact of saying, actually, this is my legacy. And I did this. I did this. I want to be acknowledged for what I did. And I, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a filmmaker, as a creator, as someone who owns my own company, you know, when you make a film, it's like a child that is released out into the world. I deeply understand that you want your mark and it to reflect out into the world what you actually did. Mm -hmm. So that's the answer to the second question. The first part, which is how do the actors feel about portraying these individuals who really had an effect, a, a, a sort of a traumatic effect on Anthony's life? They were very, it was hard for them because they were very sympathetic to Anthony as a person. And I had brought him, he had come onto the set in those early days, specifically in the conference room scene in the negotiation of Pizza Hut attorneys, mm -hmm. when they negotiate, sort of a, try to figure out a settlement, they felt a lot of compassion for Anthony, a tremendous amount of compassion. Actors by nature, generally, unless they're, you know, psychopaths you know but most of the time are very vulnerable people and they're they're it's a it's a true artistry and they're you know you you know even actors who portray quote unquote evil or mean people tend to be some of the most vulnerable people that i've ever met and that i've had the privilege of of, of directing so i would say that all of them did the research I gave them the patents. I gave them as much information in a in a, a prep book about this case as possible. And they were uh very sympathetic to Anthony. And then they did their job. You know, they just they did their job and then you leave it at the door when it's done. So that that that's how they they proceeded for it. But they would always ask me questions before we would start shooting. You know, did this really happen? Why did this happen? You know. And answering these questions and unfortunately giving them the answer and saying it's a numbers game. It's 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 a greed game. It's that they have more lawyers, more money, and they know the cost to an appeal mm -hmm. requires so much resources on behalf of the small business owner who does not have that money or she does not have that money. And the corporation has ample amounts of money to fight the appeal if the case were to go to the other side. Yeah. And and then and and then once they get that clarity, you know, they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to tell you two things. Number one, I am a recovering lawyer. And so I was very interested in this from the legal perspective. Right. Because I I knew as I was watching it that this patent has expired. And so I thought, what what does this mean? Which is why I was asking you the question about what is it that he's interested in 
in cooperating with you? Right. It's a great, it's a great question. And a lot of people, obviously audiences who don't know, and sorry to cut you off, Liz, but I just want to say like, most people don't know that, you know, patents expire, what the time would be. This patent would have come off um, it would come off. It would have come off. It would have ended around 2004. The stuff cross pizza would have ended in terms of its patent would have ended in 2004. So, but the way procedurally, and you would know this, how they came to their decision because of those documents that come out in, in, you know, you see this at the end of the film. I don't want to give it away. Mm-hmm. And all that sleuthing was done by me. So <laughs> imagine my shock when I had gone to the Manhattan district court, and found uncovered the presiding judge. His name was Judge U. I think it was Eugene Eugene Nickerson, and Judge Judge Nickerson was the presiding judge. And I had looked up to see if there was there was claims against him, and it turns out there were tons of claims mm-hmm. of exactly the same situation. Small business owners, all small business owners related to patents, and him denying them basically a trial by jury yeah just the whole that that whole process was was amazing to me because i agree that anthony seems to be such a sympathetic and he seems sincere and so i think he would have done well before a jury if yeah. he had oh. that opportunity and he it kills him to this day you know when you spend time anthony and i have become close and i it's such a a joy to say that because i i got to really get inside his emotional state and and to to you know for us to trust each other in that emotional circle it he knows being the kind of person that he is to explain it to a layman and and to a regular person a civilian who is not into patent law very clearly what his patent is about and he and and he would have he would have won the case he mm-hmm. would have won the case uh, i think i think it's likely yeah the other the other aspect of it that appeals to me is i'm half sicilian mm-hmm. and you wouldn't know it by my name but i am and uh, and so i'm always interested in that story of the italian americans in america because it is a an interesting spotty kind of story where sometimes italian americans were very sort of cast aside as not contributors to or not good contributors as immigrants and all of that and so when you see this kind of victimization and you t- couple that with being italian american it is also something that was interesting to me. I love uh, that. I I, 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 I I love that. And that's part of the reason also I took on the project. I mean, you sono italiano, right? Mi genitori sono italiani. You know, I, I'm, we, I grew up, my mother tongue is Italian. So, so, so to see, and, and I just want to say this about the corporate world. You can tell that because he's Italian, there's the sort of sense that they're like, these Italians that are not sophisticated, basically. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like they're just Italian. They're just a bunch of Italian immigrants. They're not sophisticated. They don't know about, you know, the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They they these guys are not sophisticated people. They, they don't know what 
what you know revenue sharing and what we should be paying for their patent this is going to be an easy thing we can roll them over mm -hmm. and there is certainly in the actual deposition footage very much that kind of waspy approach mm -hmm. to you know versus the, the 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 italians and you see it very very clearly in the real footage and and you also see it in the film and and that's exactly right they were they were dismissed yeah okay so i want to tell i want you to tell me what what you see for the future what's coming up you talked a little bit about the possibility of some other kind of of lawsuit and certainly recognition for Anthony in the history books and all of that. But for you and the film and what's going on, what do you see in the future? Well, that's a, a great, great question because we are currently on Amazon Prime and I don't I have never said this as an exclusive because I got the as an exclusive to you, Liz, because okay. uh, I just got I got the I got the email from my sales agent. We will be released the director's cut, which has bonus material, extra material will be released on Apple TV on February 1st. And we are elated to have stolen dough on Apple TV It'll be the highest quality version, the longest, most comprehensive version, and and really the most studio specific version on on streaming on Apple TV. So that will be coming out on February first, two thousand twenty four, and I am overjoyed for that film to continue to to be going to audiences. We are doing lots of press events. Obviously, your podcast, television interviews, national television interviews, subsequent radio interviews, and, and, and other things as well. And in the course of that, Anthony and I are working on a brand new project, a brand new project where we're teaming up the two of us, my my company, Russell Films International, with the Mongellos and his company, Formaggio Cheese, because Anthony owns a company called Formaggio, and, and coming together to, to sort of continue and building on the stolen dough legacy of whether it's a new product, a new cheese product out to market, or following this specific case and seeing if what the possible ramifications are to being able to get that recognition and truly be recognized as the inventor of stuffed crust pizza. Okay. All right. So when do you think that's going to, I mean, I understand what's on Apple TV, but all the future things after that, is that like going to be something we can see in 2025 or 2026? Or what I, I, I would say you'll be able to see something by, by November of 2024. We're, oh, we're meeting wow. heavily. Okay. Yeah. We're meeting heavily in, in pre-production in early February to start talking about this new project. And, you know, I like to start shooting right away, right away, because it's like, you know, it's like jumping into a cold, a, a cold, a cold lake or into the, into the ocean. You are never ready. You're never, filmmakers are never ready to start shooting and you just have to jump. Sometimes you just got to go. Mm -hmm. And so I like to get those first days done Mm -hmm. And then with your team, 30, 40 people, 
you start getting into a rhythm. Everyone starts picking up the slack and like a family, you continue forward and you, you make a film together, but those first days you never feel ready. The, the actors don't feel ready. The directors don't, the director doesn't feel ready. The production design, the producers don't feel, but the reality is time is of the essence. You got to get something on the books. You got to film and you can't talk about it forever. Yeah. So that's my philosophy. And so I, I, w- I would love to start this project with Anthony this year. And I, and I think he, he does too. I think also the, the trust has developed. I mean, it's, you know, once you, you go through fire with each other in like a battle and you're, you're in it together, mm-hmm. he has opened up so much to me about how much he's, how proud he is and how, how the film has turned out better than he thought it would be and, and more emotional than he thought it would be. And I, I really take, I never take that for granted. That's the most important thing that I hear as a film director. And and that's why you do it. You do it to make a difference. You do it so that the audience feels a difference, but you do it to, to right the wrongs, especially in a documentary and a docudrama, right the wrongs of the past for your subjects that are in the film. Okay, so we're coming to the end, and I want to make sure everybody understands. If they want to watch the film now, like tonight or something, tonight. this yeah. is this is on Prime, right? Yeah, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, Amazon Prime tonight would be the greatest time. When this comes out, Amazon Prime would be wonderful. My nieces and nephew are watching Stolen Dough on Amazon Prime. My wife watches it. And she tells them, you got to watch it on Prime, especially if they act up. You've got to watch it on Prime. But but when it's on Apple TV, is yes. it still going to be on Prime or is Correct. it? Correct. Okay. Yes. You will just have a shorter version. Mm-hmm. The, the shorter version of, of uh, that's a great question to ask. When it comes to Apple TV, it will still as well parallel mm-hmm. on a- Amazon Prime. It just won't be the same director's cut. It'll be a, a shorter version of the film, and but you know, still streaming. And if people who get Prime want to go through that way, you'll still get the film, and you'll get the bulk of the story, basically 90 percent of the story. Okay, okay. So that I just want to make sure that people understand that in February there'll be two choices. One is Apple and the other one will be Amazon Prime. It's two different versions, so people could watch both of them if they want to. That, that's exactly right. You could watch the film on Amazon Prime and also on Apple TV. You'll get a longer version on Apple TV, a shorter version on Amazon Prime, and they can make the choice to do either or or both. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. So, Stefano, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I think this has really been very interesting. It's I, I don't get that much opportunity to interview somebody who's directed a film. I do a lot of talking with authors about their books and things, but this has been really great. I've enjoyed it very much. I love this. I love this, Liz, and you've been so sweet. The questions have been so on point. The only The last thing I would just like to say sure. to the audience is, is we have a website with a lot of extensive information after maybe they've seen the film, either on Amazon Prime or on Apple TV, to go to StolenDoe.com. StolenDoe.com, you'll see all the characters of the film, but also some bonus footage of Anthony's family that is very, very 
prominent in the story. You'll see some exclusive footage as well that perhaps didn't make the cut of the film, but is in there and some more backstory about his family legacy. So we would love you guys to check out StolenDoe.com as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you as well. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.